is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. All you have to do, dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that awaits you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. You actually can control the content of the site by submitting things to it. So you find something online that you think is interesting or useful or fun or whatever, and our other listeners will vote as to whether or not they uh, like it or dislike it, and the most liked will make it to the front page and the top of the site over at freetalklive.com. So head over there, get interactive, and joining you here in the studio tonight, it's Ian, JJ, and Mark. And so, of course, we'll talk to you about whatever might happen to be on your mind. Also, all kinds of uh, stuff in the news to discuss, including a number of uh, police-related stories. Uh, Mark, you're going to tell us at some point here about the drug dogs and how successful or not so much they are when it comes to actually detecting drugs. Uh, Plus, on the way, uh, JJ has news about, I believe it was the cops that were hurting people during the Hurricane Katrina aftermath. That's right, New Orleans. So uh, there's some news in regards to that. Also, speaking of drug dogs, Illinois, uh, excuse me, Illinois, uh, there's a traffic stop there, according to Radley Balco, that has raised some concerns about drug searches, police dogs, and bad cops. According to HuffingtonPost.com, last December, Filmmaker Terrence Huff and his friend John Seaton were returning to Ohio after attending a Star Trek convention in St. Louis. As they passed through, sound a, like a bunch of ruffians. As they passed through a small town in Illinois, a police officer, Michael Reichert, pulled Huff's red PT Cruiser over to the side of the road, allegedly for an unsafe lane change. Over the next hour, Reichert in, interrogated the two men, employing a variety of police tactics that civil rights attorneys say were aimed at tricking them into giving up their Fourth Amendment rights. No way. That, that's not possible. Reichert or Reichert? I'm not sure. R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. I said Reichert when I read it to myself. Richel. <laughs> <laughs> the officer conducted a sweep of Huff's car with a canine dog, then searched Huff's car by hand. Ultimately, he sent Huff and Seton on their way with a warning. Earlier this month, Huff posted to YouTube audio and video footage of the stop taken from Reichert's dashboard camera. No shots were fired in the incident. No one was beaten, arrested, or even handcuffed. Reichert found no measurable amount of contraband in Huff's car, but Huff's 17-and-a-half-minute video raises important questions about law enforcement and the criminal justice system, including the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, the drug war, profiling, and why it's so difficult to take problematic cops out of the police force. The stop happened December 4th on Interstate 70 in Collinsville, a town of 26,000 people just outside of St. Louis. Law enforcement officials say this stretch of highway is a drug trafficking corridor. The account which which highways aren't drug trafficking corridors. Right. I mean, you know, if if a highway runs through your little town and you can make money by pulling people over and, you know, it, it there's all kinds of different ways they make money, but you know, whether it's fines, whether it's uh, asset confiscations, taking cash from people, all these things are happening around the United States. And if that's all your little town has, it's an asset. It's a mine that only police can mine. And if you call it a drug trafficking corridor, then all of a sudden it becomes more justifiable to search cars there, well, they're, right? Well, they're terrorists. Right. I mean, it's it's just it's, it's a use <laughs> of the terminology to be able to uh, get away with doing whatever well, you want. And there's there's certainly a pride thing with police. Once they've decided that, well, this guy's got to have something, you know, then they, they pursue it, you know, like a hard-nosed detective. And he's going to find whatever it is you have. Well, he doesn't have anything. Oh, 
Well, here's a stern warning. Go yeah. on your way. It's a well, drug they're, corridor. They're lucky they got a warning and that all of a sudden drugs didn't appear in their vehicle due to an upset law enforcement Well, officer. yeah, if they'd have been mean to him or something like that, maybe that would have happened. Right. I mean, try to imagine if this is the circumstance where instead of it's, uh, you know, three Trekkies that are, you know, being rather compliant, it's uh, somebody who's upset with their day being, uh, you know, wasted by right. this bureaucrat right. who's on a fishing mission, and he's, they cuss him out and that kind of thing. This happened to me once. I was coming across the border from Canada into the United States, mm-hmm. and the police wanted to run a dog through my van, and I cussed him up one side and down the other when that dog went after my Cheetos. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was living in the van. I was on a, a, you know, three-month trip around the United States. I was, you know, sleeping in the van and touring and doing all these things. And they've got this dog on my bed eating my Cheetos. And, you know, if I would have... They probably thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I I don't know. They they didn't seem like they thought it was hilarious at that time. But they, uh, you know, they they got out of there and got done quickly. But, you know, it could have gone a completely different way. Absolutely. Well, so. police can lie to lie to people. Oh, right. That's right. So, in, in uh, like this case here, is it conceivable that the officer just basically lied his way to c- getting some sort of compliance? Is that sort We're of? We're going to give you details on what happened here. Uh, as, after pulling Huff over, Richard approaches his car and asks him for his license, registration, proof of insurance. Huff complies. Richard then asks Huff to step out of the car because he says he can't hear him over the noise from the highway. Huff complies. Before talking to Huff, Richard asks Seton for ID as well, which Seton isn't obligated to produce, but does. Richard then tells Huff that he pulled him over for weaving across lanes. By the way, this isn't legal advice, but I think uh, Balco's correct. Uh, It's at least been my experience. Passengers have no obligation to provide identification. The police will always go for it, though. I mean, they will always ask you for it if you've got passengers in the car. And that's because they want to run everybody's name. They want to see if anybody's got a warrant out for their arrest, and even if it's a warrant that, you know, is for nonsense. Yeah. It's a total fishing expedition. And uh, so, no, please, if you are sitting in someone's car, do not give your ide- identification over to them, just as a, as a reminder. Well, what do you say? I mean, you have to, have, you have to be prepared with saying You don't have to say something. anything to them. If you're sitting in the back of a car, you don't have to speak. And what happened What do when, you do, look at them in sort of a surly manner? Well, when, the cop asks me, when a cop asks me questions, I just ignore the questions I don't want to answer. Or I'll, I'll tell them I'm doing what you already asked me to do. So when I got pulled over for getting a speeding ticket, uh, she asked me for my license and registration. And I actually had my – I had just gotten my car back not too long ago or not too long prior to that. And somebody had cleaned my car because I think it was you, JJ, and it was great, by the way. Uh, you all had cleaned awesome. my car out. But the registration had moved from one place to another. It was, wasn't where I thought it was, so I had to dig around for it. And while I was digging for my registration, she was asking me questions about my address and asking me you know, some other question. It's like, uh, you asked me for my registration. I'm getting that for you right now. And I just focused on that one task because I don't want to be answering questions while I'm trying to do something. She's trying to distract me, yeah. basically, and get information out of me. I think and, that I would ask that officer if that's – is that an order that you're uh, – you know, you ask them if they're ordering you to give uh, to give over the information well, or asking. No, I wouldn't ask about that because, because a lot of times they'll tell you it's an order. Then you say, I don't think that's a lawful order and I'm going to need to talk to my attorney. I'll get back to you uh, after okay. I'm done speaking to my attorney. And then when you don't pick up your cell phone, uh, they ask you about that. You say, well, you know, it'll be uh, – he's not going to be in the office till Monday. <laughs> okay, that's not a bad – that's not a bad approach. But what she when she asked the, uh, the passengers – because I had a full car of people when I got pulled over for their identifications, I, I, I took the, you know, the reins as the driver and I said, yeah, I don't think that you can ask you – know, I don't think they have to give that to you is what I told her. And no one did. And it was fine. But these gentlemen did. 
Brasher then tells Huff that he pulled him over for weaving across lanes. Huff says in his video... Now, this is often one of those things that will be said, is, uh, you know, the weaving inside the lane or, Mm -hmm. you know, too many lane changes and that kind of thing. I mean, if a cop is sitting still, how are they going to tell how many lanes you've changed? Huff says in his video, this is a fabrication, but he didn't challenge Richard's claim at the time because he said I was from out of state and I didn't want any trouble. After running a check on Huff's license, Richard tells Huff he'll let him off with a warning, and the two men shake hands. Legally, Huff is now free to go, but just as Huff is set to get back in his car, Richard says, let me ask you a question real quick. Huff agrees. It's here that Richard adds, seemingly as an afterthought, that Seton appeared nervous and apprehensive. He then asks Huff a series of what law enforcement officers called rolling no questions about whether Huff is transporting any drugs, weapons, or cash. Huff says no to each. In his interview with Huffington Post, Huff asks if he thought John was nervous and that might indicate drug activity, why did he wait so long to bring it up? And why did he wait until he basically told me I could go? According to John Rakowski, uh, the public defender of Madison County, it's a common tactic. Yeah, this is uh, this is very common. You are free to go, but it doesn't feel like you are. Officer Reshirt thinks he's doing something legally significant there. He's He thinks he's establishing that everything that happens after the handshake is consensual, because after that, Huff was technically free to go. But of course, he isn't free to go. We'll come back uh, with more about what happened in this situation, 855-450-FREE, and what it all means for your freedom 855-450-3733. More about the police pulling you over, because you could be next. This is Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything that you want. Toll-free number, 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system awaits you where you can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. You can also grab our show notes from each night. It's all there and free, like everything is on our site bbs.freetalklive.com get you there. Join more than a million people who've used LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create your will, or a living trust, even register a trademark. Whatever sorts of common legal documents that you need, LegalZoom.com has them. They're fast, they're easy, and they're very affordable. I filled out my will there at LegalZoom.com, and this is something you've got to have. If you've got a family... You either have a will or you're trusting the government to take care of your family. And that's not a group of people that I was willing to trust. LegalZoom.com. Use coupon code FTL to save $10 on your order. It's LegalZoom.com. Coupon code FTL. So we're talking about a pullover that happened uh, on the way back from a Star Trek convention, apparently, to a couple of Trekkies who were from Illinois. They'd visited uh, St. Louis, and they were on their way back, uh, still in Missouri at the time when it happened. It's highly illogical. (laughs) 
inconceivable. In I know a that's small not the right town. Movie. No, the <laughs> that's uh, what is it? That's Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Right. Uh, so this happened in uh, Collinsville, a town of 26,000 people just outside of St. Louis. They were pulled over by a police officer who basically asks them uh, what they call rolling no questions. Questions like, are you transporting any drugs, weapons, or cash, etc.? And this, by the way, happens after uh, they've been pulled over and he's given a warning for improper lane changes. And the officer then allows him to go, but then says something to the effect of, um, oh yeah, and one more thing, he says. Or he says, let me ask you a, a question real quick. And as is pointed out here by the public defender for Madison County, which is where this took place, uh, he says that it's a common tactic, this sort of after-the-fact kind of question. Uh, he says that Officer Reshirt thinks he's doing something legally significant. He thinks he's establishing that everything that happens after the handshake is consensual, because after that, Huff, the driver, was technically free to go. But of course, he isn't free to go. If Huff had ignored Richard's let me ask you a question real quick, gotten into his car and driven off, Rakowski says, there's no way that the officer would have let him leave. And in Illinois, the death- Well, it's, it's impossible to say what the officer would or wouldn't have done in that circumstance. If the officer is trying to establish that, um, you know, a, a legally significant situation, he may very well have let him leave because that's the game that's being played. But you can imagine what it's like for that individual. Now, you have to take this step by step. You have to understand the power paradigm going on in this situation. If you refuse to pull your vehicle over for the individual with the flashing blue lights on top of his car, they will bring a whole bunch of other individuals with flashing blue lights to bear on you. As and Derek J. found out last week, he's in jail for that now. At some point or another, they will shoot at your car to take the tires out. They will ram your car. They will use violence like you've never experienced in your life. They will bring the full hand of the state down to crush you so that is just what you've experienced now right. at any point until that handshake goes on uh you know and, and by the way nobody knows when you're allowed to leave and when you're not it's very ambiguous well you can always say ambiguous. am i free to go right that's the best way to do i mean you know the the only thing you should be saying to a police officer is am i being detained Am I free to go? Right. That's what that would I. That's what I would ask if I were in that situation. Oh, let me ask you one more thing. I might be curious to hear what his next thing would be, but uh, I would otherwise say if he did ask that question, I would say, "Well, am I free to go?" And then at that point, I would leave. And you know, so if and before you're free to go, whatever that moment in time, the police officer decides that you're free to go. Some arbitrary moment in time that this guy with the badge and the blue lights says that you're free to go, the same thing will happen. That full force of the state will crush upon you. So that moment that he decides in his mind and doesn't really tell you there's some, you know, like maybe he's done this, this handshake or whatever. At, uh, until that moment, then, you know, at that moment, you're free to go. And supposedly he's just another individual on the street. Right. So you can see why people are absolutely positively confused by this situation. And this is how the, the the state plays the game and how they win on a regular basis. Because, you know, the cop says, oh, yeah, he was free to go. I had I had finished the contact or whatever. Um, he had given the piece of paper. Basically, when you get that piece of paper from him. The paperwork's done, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to go, and you don't have to speak to him or anything right. like that. Now, I don't necessarily recommend not saying polite things. I think it's always a fine. No, actually, I'm in a hurry. Top of the morning to you. Yeah, and hop in your <laughs> yeah. car and go. 
Exactly. Or, you know, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Am I being detained? Remember, that's the whole, the am I being detained? Am a I lot of people go? just don't understand the situation when they're dealing with police officers. They don't understand uh, the the choices they have, I think, to a large degree. There's there's a, there's a lot of mysticism or, or mystery around the police. Of course. You don't and, learn this stuff in school. Of course. Right. The place that you'd expect to learn it or to learn something about it would be the public school system, which is run by the state. I mean, it should know something about itself. But at the same time, there's not a whole lot of effort by Why people would they want to, do that? to learn more about police or to learn about these encounters they think that they've learned it on television um you know which from- is a terrible idea oh, it is terrible. <laughs> anything you see on cops is them showing you what they want you to see you'll never see someone refuse a search on cops you'll always see people giving in you'll always see people consenting uh and then of course in popular hollywood culture that's what you see in movies as well everyone always opens the door for the police they always talk to the police of course i mean it's Part of the plot, right? So, uh, but no, in real life, you don't have to, uh, as, you know, again, I'm not a lawyer, but as I understand it, in real life, you don't have to do that. You don't have to answer the door. You do have to pull over for them. Otherwise, as you said, Mark, they will shoot you, perhaps run you off the road, beat you. Um, you'd be lucky to walk away from that. Uh, right. But besides pulling over for them when you're on a bike or in a car, there's if they come up to your front door, if they want in, they're going to bash the door and they're going to you know do whatever they want. If they're in. just knocking, then you have no reason to talk to them unless you called them there, in which case I still wouldn't recommend you talk to them. You shouldn't be calling the police if you can avoid it because we've seen there's plenty of stories where someone will call the police innocently thinking the police are going to come and help them and they end up helping them into a hospital bed or behind bars. Yep, it does happen. So we're going to continue here uh, with this uh, story because it's, it's, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of important points to get out. Of course, you can also call in about whatever's on your mind. So we're going to go to your phone calls as well. We'll recap this as necessary to keep it going. Richard's on the line listening in Ontario. You're on Free Talk Live, Richard. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? tonight? Um, yeah, I just wanted to call because you guys were talking yesterday about passports and entrance requirements to other countries and stuff like that. Yes, sir. And uh, when it comes to Canada, um, you're right that um, we have kind of like a war on driving under the influence, kind of like how there's a war on drugs in the States. So if a person was charged with a DUI in the States, it is a lot harder for them to get into Canada. But um, for any Canadian listeners who uh, might be listening right now and are concerned about passports, um, our passport agency, uh, they do everything based on client reliance. So basically what that means is that if you don't provide the information to them, then they don't know the information about you. So does that mean that you can just opt out of filling out certain parts of the passport form in Canada? Um, not necessarily. Um, like, it's funny because I've called in before. I, I'm the guy who used to work at the, or who currently works at the birth certificate office, but um, I also used to work for the passport office here in Canada. Well, tell me more and, in a moment uh, here, because I'm not sure where you're going with this. So uh, we'll come back to you here, Richard. Passports, 855-450-FREE. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com.
is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want toll-free, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there. You can enjoy them for free, and, and that includes the mobile site. So if you've got a smartphone, you can go to m.freetalklive.com, get quick access to our live streams and the podcast there, m as in mobile.freetalklive.com. Also at the mobile site, we'll link you to various different listening software for different phone operating systems. So whether you've got the, uh, an Android phone or an iPhone or I guess some people still have the Blackberries and Palms and such. Uh, there's various different listening software there. Of course, TuneIn is uh, probably the best that I have found, and it's available across all the platforms. Uh, so that's one of the easiest ways to get tuned into Free Talk Live online. And uh, once again, you go to m, as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. Now, if you are experiencing court, you know how awful it can be. And you know, if you can't afford an attorney... It's really tough. I mean, it's really tough to uh, to go in court and handle things by yourself. But with a little bit of information, you can make a big difference in court. Yeah, you, you have to at least know how to do things when you get there. Uh, the Jurisdictionary course is a four-CD course that's so easy the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. It will uh, teach you how to... You know, make the motions you need to be able to make to make the objections upon what grounds to make objections. Um, you know, of course, moving the courts very, you know, very important. If you don't know the tricks and how to play the game, then you're just going to they're going to run circles around you. You're never going to have a chance. Uh, Jurisdictionary dot com. You can go there. You can get an immediate download or and or and they'll send you the Ford CD course in the mail. It costs less than an, uh, an hour with any good attorney. Works in, you know, for plaintiffs or defendants and civil or criminal matters, state or federal courts. You can go to jurisdictionary.com. They've got all kinds of free help there for you. And when you buy the course, remember to use the pull down menu to mention Free Talk Live. It's jurisdictionary.com. All right, so we're going to continue. We'll talk more about uh, police pullovers and t- their tactics that they use here in a few moments. Also, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Richard is listening in Ontario. Now, Richard, you said you had uh, worked in the passport office there in Canada previously, and you were talking about passport requirements and uh, filling out the form to get the get the passport. Something about how they only know what you give them, and so you don't have to give them where, – where, where were you going with that? Well, I, would, I just wanted to um, to back up what Mark had said yesterday when he said um, when you cross the border, if they ask you, you know, have you committed any felonies or anything like that, and if the person says no, um, I'm not sure exactly how it works with the border, but when it comes to when you fill out that application form for a passport, the information that you provide is the information that's on file. Like the, the databases say that with Interpol or with the police forces, they don't exactly match up with what is obtained by the passport issuing offices. So if you were to go in to get a passport you didn't, and you just provided made-up information, it's not like they're going to be doing background checks or anything like that. That information does go on your file, but it's used to um, it's used when they do what's called a guarantor check because in Canada, called when you a get what? a passport, a guarantor check? Guarantor check, um, okay. Yeah, at one point in time in Canada, when you wanted to get a passport, you had to get your doctor or a lawyer or somebody of a higher profession to sign your application form for you. <laughs> to let you to yeah. let you go out of the country. It's so yeah. incredible. And and people say that, that you know, slavery's gone from the Western world. These governments believe they own you. I'll grant you that their plantations are large, but if you've got to have, you've got to have somebody who's better than you sign a piece of paper. Go to some, your lord and have him sign off. Right. I mean, you know, what what is this different than you know traveling papers from the Middle e- Middle Ages? 
Well, it has since been changed because, like I said, at one point you have to get a doctor, lawyer, pharmacist, or somebody like that. But now anybody who's had a passport, a Canadian passport, um, can sign your application form for you as being your guarantor. So when you provide information such as, like, your employment history, um, even on the, on the Canadian application form, it asks for, like, the color of your eyes, your height, and stuff like that. They expect your guarantor to know that information about you in order to, in order to verify you say who you are. So, for example, if a person signed for me and if for some reason they did a guarantor check on me, ideally that person should know what I do for a living, you know, if I have brown hair or blonde hair or whatever the information is provided on the application. Hmm. It's not necessarily linked up with police agencies or anything like that. It's mainly used for verification that the person is who they say they are when they when they issue the passport to them and, and do the verification check. And so but, they just take whatever information you give them. Here in 2012, with computers yeah. and all these things, the passport office doesn't know anything but what you provide them? Well, when you go to the passport office and you get a passport, you have to provide all of the documentation about yourself. And the main piece of documentation that you need is your birth certificate. Right. Your birth certificate doesn't have a picture on it. It doesn't have your address on it. It doesn't have your phone number, nothing about you on it. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if you find a birth certificate and you make up a really good story about that person, it's not that hard to get a passport with somebody else's name. So and they don't. So when you, okay, so if you turn in a birth certificate that's totally falsified, in theory, and the birth certificate's got a number on it, it's got a, it's got a location. In theory, if the passport office wanted to, they could call up the office of uh, health statistics or whatever they're called that issues these birth certificates and verify it. You're saying that doesn't happen. Not very often, no. They could do it, but when you consider that, um, especially after the, the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative, where the United States required Canadian citizens to have passports to enter the border, um, there was such an influx that there wasn't really checks being done on every single person. We were just going by the information that was provided to us when so, I worked for the passport office. So how often would a check be done? I mean... Um, ballpark range, I'd say one out of maybe 50 or so, 50 to 100. Yeah, it's, it's really it's really not all that secure as you think it is. Like, it's not that in-depth of a process. Of course, I'm only speaking from Canadian terms. I don't know how it is in the states with the well, right. The and think about this now that I'm you know now that I'm following this uh, this concept a little bit better. If you were to send in a fake birth certificate into the passport office, then how would they find out who you were? Like, like if it didn't have your name well, on it. And they, they, they did the check on it, and they said, oh, this John Smith looks like he wasn't born on this date at all. In fact, the Office of Vital Statistics doesn't have any information on John Smith from uh, Medford, Oregon. And then what are they going to do? Send the cops well, to that location and try to find John Smith? That's not who the person is. Well, Ian, you, you, you say a fake birth certificate. Now, do you, do you mean a fake birth certificate or somebody else's birth certificate? Like something I made in Photoshop or something that I stole or found from somebody? I mean a fake one. Like something like that you well, just made there up. are ways to verify that birth certificates are real. Uh, there, there's ultraviolet lights and stuff like that, and security features. But what I'm saying is that if you break into someone's house or find a wallet on the ground that has a birth certificate mm-hmm. in it, and say that that person doesn't have a passport, it really wouldn't be very hard to take that person's birth certificate and get a passport with their name and your photo. That's what if what they're saying. dead? That's going to be hard. Um, there's a date on yeah, there. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Same thing, like the, 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 the records don't really match up as, as much as people that they do, especially they here in, in Ontario. Yeah, but okay, so as far as the birth certificate security features, I mean, how often are you holding those up to blacklight when you're at the, the passport office? 
I, actually, all desks have a black light on them that oh, you can switch on and, and put the, the, the birth certificate underneath. I find it very difficult to believe that in 1971, the piece of paper, the, the notarized copy of the birth certificate that my mother got uh, for you know the, her little bundle of joy, has is any kind of security features other than the raised pieces of uh, you know, bits from the, the notary. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really all it is. I mean, there, there's raised type on it. And in, in, in Ontario, our birth certificates are printed on paper that is similar to what money is printed on. So it has, you know, little security features, like a, the paper is a certain way and there's microprinting and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's all. I just, want, I just wanted to back up what Mark was saying. That, Ultimately, you know, it, what it, we need to have is somebody on the inside of the, uh, the birth certificate office to just issue uh, birth certificates uh, without any of the requirements attached to it. That's the best yeah, way to go. I, I get but, paid way too much to do something like that. <laughs> But what's the uh, you know what's the point though? I have a state issued passport, and at this point, the brown shirts haven't come and drug me away. I mean, you know, you you don't get freedom by getting a fake passport, Ian. There's no value well, the to point, it. The point would be uh, if you're trying to leave the country through some sort of legitimate channels to not have your name being on the passport. Like if they wanted you for some reason and you were trying to escape the country, you don't want to walk up to security and say, here I am. Just you don't leave do the that. country. Don't get wanted. I tend to agree. With, well, if you leave the country th- through non-traditional channels, then that's one thing. If you just run across the border, that's one way to do it, which is probably the easiest way. Anyway, thanks, Richard, for the call and the information. Yeah, thanks, Have a good night. 855-453-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. 855-453 is the number. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. You can support the show if you'd like. Become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is we will take three bucks a month in from you, invest it into the show, and get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board as well. Hopefully, coming next week, we'll be able to announce at least one, maybe two more uh, stations to come on board here with Free Talk Live. And it's all thanks to listeners like you becoming Free Talk Live amplifiers. You get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only forum podcast, which is minus uh, the podcast does not have the usual recorded commercials that you hear if you normally download the podcast. So you get some perks over at amp.freetalklive.com. And joining you tonight, it is Ian here. JJ and Mark. We started the show out with a piece from Radley Balco over at HuffingtonPost.com. And Radley Balco is really the go-to guy when it comes to covering a lot of police abuse. Actually, I would say he's one of two. Uh, William Norman Griggs, another real yeah. kick-butt uh, writer. And uh, Radley Balco is also one of those guys. He's the guy who publishes a lot about police raids and how they're just you know 40,000 police raids uh, every single year in this country, and most of them are for 
you know, possession of drugs, which of course is crazy. The idea that these peaceful people should be having their doors kicked in and their families held at gunpoint and their dogs shot. And so he does a great, it does great work. And uh, thanks to the Huffington Post for helping promote what he's doing. In this case, he's talking about a pullover that happened to some Trekkies. They're on their way back from a convention where they get a warning for weaving across uh, traffic, allegedly. And then before they're let go, the officer stops him real quick and he says, uh, basically, let me ask you a question real quick. And the driver, Huff, agrees to the questioning. He then asks him a series of uh, questions, the rolling no questions, about whether you're transporting any drugs, weapons, or cash. And I'm going to guess that the reason for these rolling no questions is so he can follow up with another no question. Something like, you know, you ask a bunch of questions where the answer is no, and then you ask another question like, do you mind if I search? And so the person's saying no, they're used to saying no, no, I don't have any drugs, no, I don't have any weapons, no, I don't have – and then the answer to do you mind if I search, they might just spit out no because it – because of the, it's an old sales tactic, yeah. isn't it, Mark? Right. Yeah, but in I, sales, it's a yes tactic, right? You want to get them to answer yes questions. I think you want them to commit to a position. Um, you know, obviously, what's the what's wrong with ask as a police officer? What's wrong with asking the question? Do you have something illegal on you? Either way, you've gotten a good thing out of asking the question. If they say no. That you don't have that they don't have anything illegal upon them, then they're committed to the position of not having anything illegal upon them, and you've started the conversation about whether or not they've you know right right it, you know because the police officer has the power to uh, to uh, you know search if they said yes obviously he could uh, search then and then you know people want to prove their innocence no well, that, no no I don't have it and yeah as you said in the position thing uh, you know you start getting them to say no to certain things and then you ask another question. That con- and you try to get them to contradict a former question, obviously, mm-hmm. so that you can say, "Well, wait a minute, now your story's changing," and now all of a sudden the person's feeling nervous and guilty, and then they'll just spill the beans on whatever. Imagine Collinsville Police Chief Scott Williams, who's seen the dash cam video in question, tells Huffington Post, "I don't have any reason to doubt the integrity of any of our officers, but we'll do our due diligence and look into that. If we find any of our officers is taking shortcuts or violating someone's civil rights, the officer will be fired." believe that one right i think that i think that officers take shortcuts all the time people take shortcuts all the time uh to assume that they do everything by the letter of the law um the way it uh, is supposed to be done is to assume that all employees do all of their work by the book Huffington Post was unable to reach Officer Reshirt from the uh, for comment. He's the guy that pulled the car over. During the questioning, Reshirt tries several times to get Huff, the driver, to admit to having marijuana in his car, even if only a small amount for personal use. Huff says he has none. I would just like to go on my way if I could, he tells Reshirt. Now, this really bothers me when he says this part. I'd like to go on my way if I could. You So, so here you have a... I'm, I'm using, he was supposedly told he could go earlier. Well, he wasn't told he could go. He was, uh, you know, there was it was a it was a sort of a dance yeah, around the, subtle, the idea that he could go. The subtle chapter close. But here you have a citizen. I'm using my air quotes, asking a public servant. There's the air quotes again. What you know for his help. He's asking somebody that was supposed to be our employee, supposed to be there to help us for some help. He says. I'd like to go now if I could. Could you quote it for me again? I would just like to go on my way if I could. That's what he says to this person that's supposed to be there to help him and protect his rights, his freedom, his liberty, who has sworn an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America, which does not put any infringements upon Mr. Huff's 
abilities. It only puts infringements on the officers. So this is where this officer, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care about anything else. He steps out of the line of doing what the the, the spirit of what he was hired for. That well, if he was trying to help somebody, he wouldn't have pulled him over in the first place. I don't think that that's He'd necessarily true. go after real true. criminals who are actually think, hurting people. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't need your help. I'm driving just fine. Thanks. Right. Well, um, I didn't put anyone in danger. We, the citizenry, as a greater whole are you know certainly want our roads to be safe safe to conduct and that is what the purpose of the police officers out there doing traffic patrol are for so if you you claim this 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 claim that he's weaving in and out of lanes i think is flimsy at best but yes you, you, at this point with the way roads are owned and and delivered at this point yes we need police officers there to uh, to, to some some kind of law enforcement needs to be handling that particular aspect but once he's free to go and he asks the civil servant for help in this area that's when the rubicon has been crossed in my opinion well i think it was crossed right out the gate because he pulled these guys over because they're uh you know a couple guys in a car probably fairly you know on the younger side you're just making assumptions and well you know that that's what cops do they see young people in a car think so they pull it over they make an excuse to pull it over yeah and he was right these guys don't know their rights so we continue uh, let's see. So during the questioning, he tries to get him to admit to having pot. He says he has none. Asks him if he could. Uh, says I'd like to go my way if I could. Reshort, the officer says that he's going to bring out his canine and do an outside sweep. Reshort pats down. Now this both- is uh, they, they could basically do this at any time to anybody, but supposedly he's able to drive away too. Reshort pats down Huff and Seaton and takes the dog around the car twice. He tells Huff that on the second trip, the dog has alerted to the presence of drugs, but did so at the front of the car, out of the view of Reshort's dashboard camera. Oh, really? That's convenient. The front of the car, really? Wow. Weed in the front of a car? I mean, to me, there's a big smelly engine between yeah. the passenger compartment where one might have marijuana and the front of the car. He explains that because the front of the car is downwind, the drug scent would most likely register with the dog at the front of the car ho ho that's rich yeah the dog's alert gives reshirt probable cause for a thorough hand search of huff's car as well as huff and seaton's luggage and personal belongings now that's one wow that's one sentence in a paragraph but let's just remind you when a cop searches your car it's not a quick little in most cases it's not a quick little in the glove box out no no no. it's they'll pull your seats out if necessary they're taking all of their luggage they're going through everything in the luggage yeah. this is an hour on the side of the this road this is humiliating uh, you know personal privacy you know intervention people are craning their necks to look at you as they Mm -hmm. go by you're standing there on the side of the road you know there's a guy with flashing lights behind you i mean this couldn't be any more humiliating no doubt so uh, they could be naked i suppose research finds no drugs he does claim to find shake beneath the seats of huff's car this is utter bullcrap and this is this is a shake a lie if the shake found, is the stuff at the bottom of a bag of pot. Right, if right. He, if he found shake, then why didn't he do a test on it? And if he didn't do a test on it and found marijuana, then why didn't he arrest these boys? That says... This is dirt. The officer must this have been... This is a damn lie. Must have been why the dog alerted, he says. Yeah, never must collected, have been. Richard never collected any of the alleged shake for testing, however, and Huff says He's now, a canine officer. He trains this that's animal. That's right, that's right. I mean, he can say that it said anything he wants. 
He wants. It's nonsense. Huff says that it is nonsense, and after an hour of questioning and searching by Richard, Huff and Seton leave Collinsville with uh, Collinsville with only a warning for an unsafe lane change. An hour. So that they had an hour worth of searching and uh, humiliation as they were trying to travel home after right. a convention, and I'm sure they're probably tired or something to yeah. that effect. When you're on your way home, like you know, getting yeah. there is one thing, but when you're on when you're getting when you're on your way, you want to get there as soon as you can because you've left whatever time you have to arrive. So another hour would be a problem. But leaving, you're so tired, you just want to get home. Let's just get home. It'll make you want to go to St. Louis again. Having this experience? What do they care? He's not even in St. Louis. This officer isn't a St. Louis officer. This is just some podunk nowheresville, uh, you know, cow well, pie. That's not to say this wouldn't happen in St. Louis either, Mark. This uh, stuff happens all across the country. I'm just saying that different different law enforcement agencies have different sets of incentives. There's a place in Florida called Waldo, which is uh, notorious for pulling people over because it's a nowheresville. They get a huge amount of revenue they from sure tickets. They sure do. It's a significant portion of the town's uh, operating budget, wow. if I'm not mistaken. 855-450-FREE. It's so bad the tri- AAA bought a billboard w- alerting people to the speed trap coming up when you go through Waldo. We're coming up here about this case in moments. I am so excited about Porkfest this year. Porkfest? What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? (laughs) What doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Mm, That's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. Toll-free number tonight, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. You can control the content, submit different items to the site, and then vote on the ones you like. Vote them up. The ones you don't like, vote them down. The most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the website. And it's constantly being updated as you participate and vote on different things and submit things to it. Go to freetalklive.com. Here with you in the studio, it's Ian. JJ. And Mark. And uh, so we've been talking about the story out of, I guess it's out of the Missouri area, but it's a couple of guys from, excuse me, Madison County, Illinois. I apologize. This is actually in Illinois. It's, they're coming back from St. Louis. Uh, which is right on the which is right on the Mississippi River. So gotcha. they cross the bridge and they're in Illinois, southern Illinois. So they're heading home to where they live in Illinois. And on the way home, they're coming back from a Trekkie convention, and uh, they get pulled over in their PT cruiser for allegedly weaving across lanes. The officer asks the uh, guy who's driving to step out. He gets both of their identifications. Which, by now, the way, by the way, the guy denies having weaved across any lanes. Right. Uh, he says it's nonsense, and the officer. 
tells him that he, he you know he's giving him a warning and shakes his hand and that according to the experts is the is supposed to be the end you should be able to walk away and leave at that point but he follows up the handshake with a question and his question is can i ask you a, or says let me ask you a question real quick and then he begins a series of questions that have to do with whether or not he has any drugs or any weapons uh whether or not he has any pot in there and he brings a dog out and the dog uh, circles the car and he claims the dog uh alerted on the front of the car and that the dog was downwind from the car and so even though the dog was out of the view of the video camera when it alerted that that's good enough so he goes ahead and does a hand search of the car tears apart their luggage Searches the whole car, claims to have found marijuana shake on the floor of the car, but does uh, doesn't test it, doesn't confiscate it, right. doesn't ticket them. I, I love I, I love this. I mean, this is this is a, a really disgusting behavior by the law enforcement officer in this circumstance, and the and the fact that it's if it's said because I don't know whether they've got it on video or not. I don't know. If this is a fact, but. If this is what he said, this is equivalent to him finding little bits of uh, children's fingers on the floor of the car and saying, oh, we could have a murder here, but since it's just little bits of uh, a body, then it's no big deal. I mean, it's either a crime or it's not a crime. Right. He says this to justify the search. No, no, no. In in the afterwards. Yes. To justify to justify sort of to the people who whose car has been violated because they're because his dog alerted on the car. Right. And shake itself is is a power. If that, if that, and if it's in someone's carpet or someone's car, it's going to be nearly impossible to be found. You can't, and you're not going to be the dog. If there's a little bit of shake on the carpet of the car. It's probably been there for a while. And dry and... The idea the dog's going to be able to smell shake from the front of a car <laughs> in the carpet of the car. Ludicrous. So th- well, there's... if, you know, the dogs do have amazing noses, and it depends on the type of the, 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 no, the dog and that kind of thing. But, you know, why, it would, why would it alert on the front of the car as opposed to the door because of the car? Because it was out of the camera That's range. exactly why the dog alerted there. And if the dog alerted at all, because this is the guy who trains the dog. Sure. You know, you have a magic free pass to searching people's car all you have to do is say my dog my dog said you've got drugs in your car you're the one who decides whether the dog has drugs and we've seen the evidence uh barry cooper from nevergetbusted.com has shown very clearly that these drug dog officers they can train their dogs to false alert i mean they, they they give them a command and they false alert it's just it's not hard so there's more to the story, though, uh, according to the Huffington Post and Radley Balco. Now, asset forfeiture is the process by which law enforcement agencies can take possession of property suspected of being tied to illegal activity. Under these laws, the property itself is presumed to be guilty of criminal activity. The property. That's right. Uh, uh, inanimate objects guilty of uh, criminal activity. They actually have court cases where the United States sues $12,000 in cash. Yeah. And the cash is the defendant. And the prosecution is the United States government. And you are the loser. Yeah. So under these laws, the property itself is presumed to be guilty of the criminal activity. And once the property has been seized, it's up to the owner to prove he obtained the property legitimately. In about 80% of civil asset forfeiture cases, the property owner is never charged with a crime. 80%. And in Illinois, like many states, the law enforcement agency that makes the seizure gets to keep the cash or the proceeds of the forfeiture auction. Uh, in Illinois, the prosecutor's office gets 10 to 12 percent of it, by the way. Critics say civil asset forfeiture is rife with poor incentives and violates the Fifth Amendment protection against seizure of property without due process of law. Police can seize a car, cash, even a home on the flimsiest of evidence. Now, Madison County, where... And they do. 
Huff was pulled over, boy do they, is bisected by I-70 just outside of St. Louis. Interstates are particularly rich ground for forfeiture. Law enforcement officials say that's because interstates are ideal for drug running. Critics say it's because police can target out-of-state drivers, who are more likely than local residents to accept a police officer's baseless accusations and turn over their property rather than refuse and face arrest. Now, these people, uh, drug runners, are putting their lives on the line they're, they're putting their freedom on the line to transport these drugs. They're heroes, in my opinion. I don't know that that's the I'm, – I'm, I'm certainly not going to make that, uh, that statement. I think it's a ludicrous statement. But they – you know, they're, they're, they're going to go where the police aren't. So if, in fact, interstates are these you know, great ways to transport drugs and that's why cops watch them, that's why, the, the place, that's why they're not great places to transport drugs. This is like a tautology. I mean it's, it's ludicrous. Now – I can see why I certainly travel on interstates because they're convenient to go through. But I'm a prime target when I'm heading through some other state, even if I'm a couple of counties away from my home. It's just a lot easier to pay these people whatever ticket it is they want to get from me and send them on. Now, with these young men, this guy was clearly looking for drugs. If he wasn't looking for drugs, he would have given them a... A ticket for reckless driving or careless driving, careless driving, likely careless driving for changing lanes too often. So this police officer clearly was looking for drugs, but, you know, these these young guys didn't have any. So he just tries to justify at every turn what he's done. So why do people give it up? Give up their stuff, their cash, their property? Well, think about it. If you're out of state and the cops say, you know, give up this cash, give up this this car, give us all this stuff, we'll let you go – you just weigh the balance. Uh, multiple returns to the state for court dates and thousands of dollars in legal expenses. Sometimes winning the property back can exceed the actual value of the property. So they've got you. And they know they've got you. And they know that uh, you're probably not going to do anything about it. So just just hand over the car, okay, kid? And we'll let you – you can walk That's home. our wonderful justice system. So fair. Mm, yes. Fair for the cops, at least. They love it. Faced with that choice, it isn't difficult to see why innocent people would opt to hand over the cash and head home. The joke around our office, according to the public defender, is that all you need for probable cause in Madison County is an Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, or Florida license plate. If you're from out of state, they're simply going to find a reason to pull you over. Local news reports indicate that Illinois law enforcement agencies along I-70 have ramped up their forfeiture efforts in recent years. The public defender said that one tactic the police use is to put up a sign for a drug checkpoint roadblock ahead. In 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court said such checkpoints are illegal. Roadblocks are legal for DWI checks, but not for narcotics checks. But Radowski says that isn't the point. They'll put up the sign so there's only one exit you can take to avoid it. Then they'll pull over and search anyone who tries to exit before the roadblock. That tactic, too, is constitutionally suspect. Police can't pull over a driver merely for exiting before an announced and illegal drug checkpoint. But, of course, that isn't why they'll say they've pulled you over, says the defender. They'll say you crossed two lanes to get to the exit, or switched lanes without signaling, or that you cut someone off, or that your license plate's uh, light is out, or that your other light's out, or whatever. It doesn't matter what they say as long as they've got you stopped. Yes, right. I mean, so you can prove... In a court of law, 
months, if not years later, that you didn't make a double lane change because you've got the Freedom Cam like I do in my car, the Freedom Cam from FreedomCam.net. Mm-hmm. You can prove that this guy is lying through his teeth. Really? You think he's going to lose his job nope. because you caught him in a lie? I mean, because the judges don't know and the prosecutors don't know that these guys are trained to lie in court? We've seen judges lie and they get away with it. So, so I mean, you know, please spare me. Because all they have to do is get you to stop so that they can do whatever it is they want to do. More coming up about police pullovers and some of their sneaky tactics that they use here in a moment. 855-450-FREE. You can also bring up what you like. 1-855-450-3733. Take control of the airwaves on Free Talk Live. Hello, my friends, and welcome to a 32nd edition of Verbal Surgery. I'm your verbal surgeon, Tim A. Cummins, here to radiate your brain for maximum gain. And let me tell you, my friends, get on to the verbalsurgery.com train. Come check it out. Listen to this podcast, and you will feel better right now because you are awesome. Looking forward to seeing you at verbalsurgery.com. Take it easy, baby. Awesome. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want. Toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those, uh, freetalklive.com. Stuff like the webcam, you can watch, you can listen, interact. The chat room is built into the same page as the webcam, and you can access it all for free at cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam.freetalklive.com. Bitcoins are the world's first potentially potentially anonymous digital cash. Now, you certainly have to figure out how to use them to anonymize yourself. But, you know, in the same way that cash is an anonymous sort of uh, exchange, bitcoins are too. There are no contracts to sign with bitcoins or terms of service you've got to abide by. Anyone can download the free bitcoin software, be using them in just a few minutes. With bitcoins, you can send and receive money anywhere in the world without fees and without needing permission from any bank or government. To learn how, visit weusecoins.org. And now, thanks to BitInstant.com, you can have Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. To buy your Bitcoins with cash, visit BitInstant.com. More about asset forfeiture coming up. First, let's go to Troy calling from Saskatchewan. It's Canadian night here, uh, Canuck night on Free Talk Live. Hey, Troy. You're on Free Talk hey Live. Hey there, guys. Hey. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly uh, put a plug in for gold, even gold.freetalklive.com. Um, and I think uh, the ownership of gold is kind of. Um, well, I guess I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's kind of under underestimated how valuable it's going to be because it's really the only asset that the government can't see. So as long as it's hidden, hidden right, and they don't know you have it, they they can't see it. Whereas your house or land, business, anything they can take if you, you know, if the the crap is the fan, right? Would you feel and, the same way about silver? Yes, I would definitely. It's even, yeah. It's, I, I it's find that better, better that, right now, better priced right now. Well, I, th- I think silver is is more exchangeable because it's a, a smaller quantity of value as opposed to gold. Yep. And uh, in, in that sense, uh, getting a bag of groceries would be a lot easier with a round of silver than a round of gold. For sure. Um, yes, I would. I would agree. Silver for for the the barter economy, for the barter economy, or for yeah. 
But if you want to buy a car, then definitely better. Right, but gold is good for like just holding capital, just holding just something that you can eventually trade for a house or a car, like you said, something large. Right, right. And when you're, you know, when your life, when your life is on, I'm talking about extreme situations, like how the, you know, the Vietnamese bull people after the the Vietnam War, how they got out of Vietnam, they they paid uh, paid for their ticket on their boat with gold. That's how they got out. So this is extreme situations like that. You want you want gold, but history's uh, rife with these stories. I mean, you know, rife with them, where people will have a uh, you know a British sovereign or a French franc sewn into their uh, the the the, the, their jacket when they go off to war, and the hope of their parents is that you know this thing can be exchanged for their life, and. You know, I mean, obviously, in that uh, there's there's circumstances I'm sure where somebody was killed and their gold piece was taken, but I'm sure I'm certain there were also circumstances where they were able to ch- exchange the gold piece and live. Troy, right? Yeah, that's that's about all I, all I had, guys. So just calling to pimp uh, precious metals. I think it's a fine idea. Sure. I, I I definitely have. I, I've I've got a, maybe a little bit of gold, but uh, mostly a silver guy, simply because it's sm- it's easier to get your hands on it. If, as far as if you don't have a whole bunch of money, right. uh, then silver is the way to go. And and for the reason that JJ specified, it's just more useful as far as if you're actually going to use it someday. In fact, we've got a guy here in uh, in Keene who's a relatively new mover new named uh, Silver. I guess we lost Troy. Thanks for the call. Uh, called Silver Dave, who has been. Uh, working on dividing uh, silver even further down from just an ounce, so like into tenth-ounce pieces, which I think is a pretty cool idea. Yeah. I've seen silver tenth ounces, and, uh, you know, they're dimes, right? (laughs) Well, he's got a different sort of shape to his. They're more like... um, Little bars, basically. Bars, basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. Little bars. I but, think it's neat. I mean, it's, he's brand new at uh, at doing this. It's a it's a new development. It's something that he's uh, he's working on. I think it's a cool idea. So I hope it works out for him. Sure, uh, it's one of the. I, I hope that works out too. One thing that I've decided to go with uh, for me is. Mercury dimes. Mercury dimes are, you know, people know what they are. They're not really counterfeit. I don't know if they know what they are, but you could educate them. I mean, they look like dimes is what you're saying, right? Eh, Yeah, I think that people... The average person doesn't know, I don't think, that dimes made before 1965 are 90% silver. Is that what you're getting at? I think that they know that a mercury dime is some kind of old, valuable United States currency. And is that what you're referring to? Is the dimes prior to 1965? No, not all. Um, no, there's uh, Eisenhower dimes that are uh, prior to 1965 also. But the reason I like mercury dimes is Eisenhower dimes from prior to 1965 can be confused with post-1965 Eisenhower dimes. If you don't, so is this mercury a special design that's not been made since then? Is that yeah, the idea? It's, uh, I can't remember. See, when I don't it know anything about it. Yeah, I don't know when it stopped, but it stopped sometime before the the Eisenhower ones. And gotcha. they're, uh, you know, they they've got uh, the head of mercury on them, or maybe it was. It was Lady Liberty. It looks like Mercury. I think is the reason they're called Mercury Dimes. And so they're often worn, which nobody's going to counterfeit a $3 coin and then wear it, you know? So it, they have this, uh, That's they call it junk silver because it's 90%. It's not junk at all, but that's what they call it. And these can be used easily for exchanges. I like them because people can, you know, visually tell right away that these things are, you know, worth at least three dollars and 30 cents or whatever it is that they they might be that day well one of the things i like is uh the guys from don't tread on meme uh don't tread on meme.com i mm-hmm. believe is the site uh they are the ones doing the dime cards and yep. we've talked with uh, drew from don't tread on meme about this which i think is a really cool way to get silver into people's hands and also educate them at the same time about silver and its value and how it holds value over time as the government currency is inflated and that 
continues to just go up uh, over over time, the silver keeps pace with it, uh, and silver holds value. Whereas if you've got government currency, fiat currency as it's called, the the greenback, the Federal Reserve note, uh, then the more of those they print out, the less valuable the ones that are in your wallet and in your bank account become. Whereas silver and gold aren't subject uh, to that same effect and uh, the silver dime cards are doing a great job i think of, of of getting that information out there yeah i like them for educational pieces no doubt uh, you know obviously if you're going to do some uh, exchanges with dimes in some cases you'll want to have cards in some cases you'd want to just be able to take a you know small handful of dimes and um, do your business yeah, for sure. But for me, uh, the silver and gold is an educational experience that people need to have yes. before they're going to understand the value of them. They may know inherently that silver's nice and it's pretty and people like it, uh, but they may not have the the necessary knowledge that, that it takes to really value it as a, as a potential currency. And so things like the dime card, which actually has information on it, yep. is much more valuable than just handing someone something and saying it's silver. You know, it looks like a dime to me. What do you mean it's silver? Oh, yeah, pre-1965. Well, you know, there's some research that needs to be done. People have to have information. I think most people know that dimes used to be silver. Do they? I didn't know. Yeah, uh, did I, you know, JJ? I, no, I, I I knew that dimes were silver only after coming here and getting educated. Really? Right. Me Honestly, too. Honestly, yeah. God, I mean, I'd known this my whole life. That Prior to a couple of years ago, I didn't know at that. At some point, they you know they went from real metal to pot metal um, for, for everything, and I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, I just did, to me, that seemed like common knowledge. Yeah. I th- Probably not that common. That's, I like the idea. I know, I know silver dimes are great for edu- educational, but I like the idea of pure silver. Uh, and like exchange, bullion. like 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 uh, what Silver Dave is doing, or yep. Silver Rounds, or like ten ounce pieces from Silver Circle, whatever. That's There's... my preference too. But yeah. I guess the benefit of the ninety percent stuff is more durable. Yes. Over, over time, like actually using it, clinking it around your pockets, and that sort of thing. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up what you want, and more police nonsense on the way. Free talk live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at WeUseCoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at SpendBitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at AU.SpendBitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything that you want. Toll-free number for you, 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll-free line. SACL CAI can help you take care of collections. Yeah, whether it's uh, whether it's early outbilling, collections, or uh, they purchase charged-off receivables. In whatever way you need accounts receivable help, SACL CAI can handle it for you. The, one of the principals over there, Jason Osborne, is a big supporter of Liberty and a big supporter of Free Talk Live. And you can support Free Talk Live by doing businesses that support Free Talk Live. So check out SACL CAI. Their banner is the top one on the right-hand side of the page at freetalklive.com. So we've been sharing with you off and on throughout the night a story from the Huffington Post and Radley Balco, who's also got his own blog, The Agitator, where he's reporting on a police pullover and some of the sneaky tactics that they'll use uh, in order to get you to basically stick around and let them search your car when you didn't have to. Uh, what happened was some guys were pulled over on the way back from a Star Trek convention. They were given a warning, and before they left, 
the cop asked them some questions. And they didn't have to answer them, but they did. Of course, the passenger didn't have to give over his ID, but he did. And so these are the things that happen, is that uh, the cops take advantage of people on the side of the road who don't know their rights. And want to go, just and want to get out of there. And aren't willing to, or if they do know their rights, they're too afraid to exercise them. And this stuff happens all the time. It's just this happened to be caught on video because the police had a dash cam and the guy that was involved in the case filed for the footage. And that's how there's a 17-minute video that's attached to this article by Radley Balco. Lucky they got it because a lot of times they just don't get it at all. Oh, the camera malfunctioned. Happens all the time. Funny how that is. Well, anyway, so then they go on to talk about how they didn't find anything in the car and the cop just, even though he ran a drug dog around it, claimed the drug dog alerted on it, didn't find anything except for what was alleged to be shake, but he didn't collect the shake. He didn't charge him with anything. He just let him go with a warning. And this goes to show how they can get the dog to alert, you know, pretend the dog alerted or whatever it is they they claim. Either get the dog to alert because we've seen how that can happen or just say, yes, the dog alerted um, out of the, the camera's view. This just goes to show... You know, what's the problem? How is the officer questioned or punished if that's the case? They're not. It's just standard operating procedure. They're just running people through the mill. They're just doing mass fishing operations, stopping anybody that they suspect might possibly be involved in possessing drugs. Uh, just so they can rack up more money well, and get asset forfeiture. Well, Mark, you don't want them to catch the terrorists. Is that what it is? Right. You, you just don't want them to catch the terrorists. You how want many, another 9 or 11. How many innocent people <laughs> do they have to, to to hassle? How many peaceful people that weren't harming anybody? And how far does the Constitution need to be eroded for me to be safe? The, I just the answer want is it's never enough. To know, right. Please tell me exactly how much of my freedom needs to be given up in order for me to be safe from the bad people 99.999 percent right i I mean you know if they lock me up in a rubber room and uh, you know keep me away from sharp objects and all i can do is go on the computer and do whatever work it is that i'm assigned to do from my little cell will i then finally be safe no No, you could be attacked by another prisoner we got a room shake down at three o'clock Catch it. Disease. Communicable disease. More about uh, asset forfeiture, which is another important aspect of all this. Pull somebody over on the side of the road, claim to find some drugs, tell them, hey, we'll let you off on, uh, you won't get any charges, just go ahead and sign your car over to us. Think I'm joking? This happened in your hometown, Mark, of Bradenton, Florida, uh, where the the Bradenton cops are regularly pulling over people and just intimidating them into signing over their cars. Well, this happens all across the United States in these, uh, these, these towns around these drug corridors. I mean, the things that happen in Braden, Tucky, pretty much uh, should not be used as uh, you know things that happen in Normalsville, USA. But this happens all over the country. Oh, absolutely. I was just giving that as one example of, of what they did. The cops literally carried around asset forfeiture forms with them, pr- you know, basically prepared to hand it to them on a clipboard and say, you know, just sign over the deed to your car here and we will leave you alone. Yeah, no reason you to go to You won't get any charges. The best cheeseburger I've ever had, though, councils. Wow. All right. So the Edwardsville Intelligencer reported in 2010 that, again, this back to the Huffington Post and Radley Balco, that the Madison County State's Attorney's Office has reaped half a million dollars from the asset forfeiture policy over eight years, which at the prosecutor's take of 10 to 12 percent suggests a total bounty of four point five million to five million dollars. So, again, the attorney's office gets 10 percent of the the uh, the forfeiture. So the total amount in eight years, this is for a county where the the town we're talking about here, twenty six thousand people uh they've raked in five million dollars in eight years from this asset forfeiture law that's a lot of houses and cars and stuff stuff 
Madison County Assistant State's Attorney Stephanie Robbins, who and handles- you wonder how many of these actually come from people who are outside of the town. I'd say the vast majority. You know, they're just using whatever interstate they have to to mine for. That's right. Uh, you know, people that people that just don't want to go through whatever it, it takes to to get their vehicle who back. Who wants or to whatever. go through that? State's attorney, if you even get it back, state's attorney Stephanie Robbins, who handles the forfeiture cases for the office of Madison County, she told the local paper in 2010 that law-abiding citizens have nothing to worry about. But maybe they do. Jerome <laughs> Chenault, a Nevada resident. What's, what's the, uh, the the book, uh, Three Felonies a Day? I mean, that, that everybody, the suggestion is that everybody in the United States is a felon. If they, if they just get an opportunity to search your house or search your car, that they can find something you've got. Mark, we can't protect you from the bad people when you just happen to be one of them. Yeah, I, we, we, read, uh, we read at one point a story where they arrested somebody for possession of a deadly weapon because they had a baseball bat and a baseball glove. And a softball in their trunk. But I mean, maybe they, you know, just it, what? Yeah, see, that's just the thing. The people that say this, and there are people who are out there listening to this saying to themselves, well, I would never get into school. I'm a law-abiding citizen. The, the people like to tell themselves this story, and you're pointing out that everybody breaks some law, but they would still want to believe that they're law-abiding. And go ahead, you can have that uh, that belief system well, until one day, the, all of a sudden, you find out the hard way that you were breaking some law you didn't even know about. Yeah, but the problem is, and this is why people think they're law-abiding, because they associate laws with morality. Yeah. That's that's what it is, is they don't want to mm, be seen point. as an immoral moral person and they see laws as the the divining point between morality and immorality if you follow the law you're moral if you don't you're immoral when it's it's a complete fallacy because laws have left morality as soon as they invited coercion and forced uh participation once once you breach morality by requiring that people participate and and requiring that people give you whatever it is, taxation or fees or whatever for uh, whatever services you claim to have provided them for, you you instantly leave the ballpark of morality, so you can't even use that as an excuse. You can't even say, I'm doing this because it's a, I'm, I'm trying to keep the situation moral and what you did was immoral because the, the entire concept of morality is gone right it's, it's no longer morality it's only about stability uh you know at that point and a lot of people will trade morality for stability well and the idea that law is somehow equivalent with morality should become you know should become apparent that that is nonsense on the most cursory examination of look at all of the immoral laws that people have had over time you can obviously go back to slavery you can look right. at uh, you know confiscating the Jews in Nazi Germany was completely legal well, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of examples but people will blow that off and they'll say oh well that was then and this is now we got rid of those laws but you're just ignoring all the very immoral things that the the laws are are doing today the hutus used the uh, the census data uh, to slaughter the the Tutsis ten years ago. I mean, laws are constantly used by the groups in power to go after the groups that aren't in power. And real quick about the stability thing, I think that this is important. Is try to imagine a twelfth century serf being in Western Europe being asked about the ideas of democracy and a republic. They would think, oh, my God, we could never have anything like that. The king must be in charge. And their concern would be anarchy. The, you know, I remember during the English Revolution, they used this term social anarchy on a regular basis. Their concerns were basically that, that you must have a king right. in order to have stability. Well, they, they, they were, again, they were the mysticism of governments, you know, in, in the monarchy is, is without the government in place – 
it will be all chaos and everybody will killing killing each other in the streets and we'll, everybody will stealing <laughs> from everybody else it'll be just horrible because the governments have had such a success well first with the church and the monarchies they've had such a success with indoctrinating people to believe that they need some external force to keep them safe from all the bad people out there when that is inherently false the bad people gravitate to those positions of power and then exploit them to hurt so many other people. Absolutely true. 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. More about asset forfeiture, which is a highly immoral activity. It's it's stealing. It's extortion. 855-450-FREE, SACL-CAI toll-free line. Buy a gang. We're on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number here is 855-453. The number is brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian, JJ, and Mark. And we invite you over to our website at freetalklive.com. If you would like, you can support the show. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll find that you can get a free bumper sticker there and download web graphics and high-res graphics as well and lots of other stuff. Flyers you can print out. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about uh, police tactics when it comes to pulling people over, getting them to consent to searches, uh, tricking them in many cases into consenting to searches, intimidating them into consenting to uh, searches. Well, and, and that brings up the point from our, our where we left off before was the morality. And, and if police are supposed to be this moral figure to uphold individuals to this higher standard and then judge them or at least give them tickets to appear before a judge, it's like, well, shouldn't you be acting the most moral that anyone could ever act? Why would you right. lie, deceive? Why would you trick people? You know, why would you uh, make up situations? As We've covered plenty of stories where the police cover up, um, you know, miss, uh, mistake, mistakes or doing the wrong thing or, or hurting someone. You know, well, the answer clearly, JJ, is that uh, lying and deceiving people and uh, ripping them off is far preferential or far preferable to someone smoking a joint. We can't have someone smoke a joint. I mean, that is so terrible. And anything in service of the state, anything in service of the state is what it really comes down to. You can lie, you can cheat, you can kill. As long as it's in service to the state, because if it, it, it make the budgets bigger next ta year, take a look. It's not just the cops. I mean, just take a look at what the CIA did during the Cold War oh, yeah. and what's led up. Right. I mean, anything is permissible. Mm. Human experiments, uh, you know, giving LSD oh, to your citizens, wiping out villages, uh, you know, uh, the chemical warfare. Well, you know All it, these things are permissible yeah. as long as it's in service because to the state. Because anytime you say service to the state, what you're saying, and some people's ears they hear in their minds actually it, it they they hear the idea 
for the the better good or yep. for, for you know the the good of right. everybody. The, God, anytime you and country, yeah, exactly. So like the service to the state is for the good of all the rest of the people in the state. So yes, we have to clamp down in your joint smoking because there's so many people we're trying to take care of. Just think of the children. What about all the alcohol users out there? No one thinks about them. Uh, but anyway, let's get back to uh, asset forfeiture here because alcohol is way sure. more dangerous. Uh, but asset forfeiture, huge money for police departments across the country. In the case of this little uh, Madison County, this tiny little place in uh, Illinois where these guys got pulled over that we were discussing earlier tonight, they pulled in $5 million in asset forfeiture just over the last eight years alone. And according to their state prosecutor, or their assistant attorney rather, she says, oh, law-abiding citizens have nothing to worry about. But according to Radley Balico at HuffingtonPost.com... Of course, she gets 10% of the, uh, of sure the take. Well, maybe they law-abiding citizens do have something to worry about. Jerome Chenault, a Nevada resident, had the misfortune of driving through Madison County on his way home after visiting his son in Philly. Chenault said he'd withdrawn $22,870 in cash to take with him before leaving Nevada, which he had intended for use on a down payment on a home. After he was pulled over for following another car too closely, Chenault gave police permission to use a drug dog to sweep his car. The dog then alerted to the bag containing his cash. Police found no actual drugs on Chenault or in his car. He was never charged with a crime. But the dog alert itself was enough to allow police to seize his cash. Over the next several months, Chenault had to travel to Edwardsville, Illinois at his own expense to fight in court for the return of his property. He had to put up a bond equal to 10% of the value of the property taken from him in order to secure it. Chenault did eventually Hold win. Hold on. You have to put up a bond of $1,200 to secure your $12,000 that they it have? It was $22,000. Excuse right. me, $2,200 $2, to secure your $22,000? Yeah. It's at the police department. Right. I mean, right. for God's sake, why isn't it secure? You guys can't secure that money? I mean, you're the, <laughs> you're the town security well, agent. Listen, listen, Mark. Now, now, the police have a hard job, and when they got right. 22K sitting in their vault, What's to say they don't go out in a big drinking binge and have a good time? Right. They have a hard time actually protecting and serving the people they're supposed to protect and serve. That's what they've got a hard time doing. Chenault's money was eventually returned after he won in court, but he won't be reimbursed for his travel or legal expenses. But, you know, the, what, did, yeah, what did the police... First off, he loses for the uh, legal and travel, and God knows how much that was, especially if he had to get an attorney. But what did the police department lose? He probably lost being able to put the money down on the house too, which sure. is yep. why he was going there. One of the reasons he was traveling in the first Whatever place. Whatever house that he wanted to buy is probably gone right. um, and you know sold to somebody else. But what does the police department lose? Answer me Nothing. that. You law and order people out there that just think that you know everything would fall apart without this monopoly that uh, on protection services that known as the, the police in this area. Why, why do you? Why do? Why in the world do you think this is fair? They can use your tax dollars to fight this, this guy. Who could think this is fair? One out of ten people may get their money back, but that's still, uh, you know, twenty-two thousand, you know, two hundred thousand dollars that they well, get. The, the people that think this is fair are the same people who still believe in the laws. There, there are certain people, and I've seen on Facebook comments and elsewhere, people who believe that if slavery was still a law, that they would feel it be a just law because it's a law. It's we've law. had we've had people call in right. law enforcement officers call into this show and you know stammer and stutter until you can actually get them into a corner and say would you enforce the law when it comes to slavery and we've had them say yes. It's yeah. sick.
I mean, these people, that the the people that said yes, I don't know, I'm not going to say every law enforcement officer, because I know some wouldn't, but these people would return black people to their owners, would throw Jews into ovens, would do whatever they were told to do for the paycheck. they've got to get a paycheck. Right. Flags and paychecks. It's flags and paychecks, people, pieces of fabric, and the money they create out of thin air. Similar stories have been reported along other forfeiture corridors across the country. In Tenaha, Texas, police reportedly routinely pull over cars from out of state. Uh, the highway is popular for drivers flush with cash and jewelry going to and from casinos. A Nashville TV station recently reported on a stretch in Tennessee where the vast majority of police stops were suspected were of suspected drug runners leaving the city, meaning the police apparently preferred to let the drugs come into the city so they could take the cash on the way out. Sure, it's easier for them to spend the cash than try to sell the drugs themselves. It's true. I love how they're they're targeting people going to a casino as this their drug dealers. I mean, you know, they could have won at the casino. When, uh, but uh, you know, another aspect of this is how, how do I have any control over money that may have been used in some kind of drug deal? I mean, my money smells like drugs. I've heard that all money smells like drugs. They can, the dogs can find cash, too, as I understand it. Uh, so, Rakowski, this is the public defender from Madison County, says, when we saw the Huff video in our office, we just laughed. Now, these are the Trekkies that were pulled over and, uh, and searched. Not because it was an outrageous, but because it's the kind of thing we see all the time. The stop for a so-called inappropriate lane change, the games they, uh, the cops play in the questioning, the claims about nervousness or inappropriate behavior that can't really be contradicted. It's all routine, he says. According to a defense attorney in private practice, the dog alert that happens off camera isn't unusual either. You see that all the time. These two attorneys say the Huff stop has all the markings of a yep. forfeiture fishing expedition. You see where he asks if the driver is carrying large amounts of U.S. currency, says the attorney. It's pretty clear what they're after. These kinds of cases put my kids through college, he laughs, and then adds, I'm only half joking. I, I bet he's. I bet he's not joking. <laughs> and you know, the sadly, this is what I feel like I'm protected from with the Freedom Cam from FreedomCam.net. I feel like since I've got audio and I've got video of dealing with these folks, that I can have something to say when something like this happens. Look, you know, before I say anything to these guys. You're being audio and video recorded and it's being streamed live to the Internet or whatever, depending on whatever the circumstances are. And, you know, they can like it or not like it, but they can't do anything about it. Right. Give me my ticket and get out of here. Right. I think having the just look, the officers have no problem lying to you. So if if, like I I mean, I'm not certainly giving you any advice or anything, but if like if my case, you know, if someone pulled me over and said you were swerving, we, we caught you, uh, you know, driving erratically. And then I'd, maybe I'd just lie to him and say, well, actually, I have da- my own dash cam, and uh, I believe I can prove that false. Do you want to try again? Or it's, it's like... You can probably say something like... First of all, you should probably have your own dash cam if you can afford one. But sure. uh, you, maybe you might, might want to say something that's not a lie, because in some places it's illegal to tell a lie to a cop. Uh, so you could say, like... Officer, you may be being recorded, or uh, you know, use it like you may, or I oh, may right, be right, broadcasting right. this live to the internet. That way, you're not saying anything one way or the other, but giving them something to think about. Sure. So, uh, and by the way, that uh, the dash cam you're talking yeah. about, freedomcam.net, actually has GPS in, inside it as well. So it it tracks uh, how fast you were going, which direction you were going, where you were going, 
all that information. In theory, that could be used against you as well. <laughs> um, so you know, keep that in mind. Don't keep it in mind. Yeah. Eight five five four fifty free. SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves here. There's more about the drug dog because we talked about asset forfeiture. But what about the drug dog part of the story? We'll get to that here in moments. And uh, more sneaky police tactics on the way. Hour three's next. Free talk live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features that await you there. freetalklive.com, you are actually able to control the content of the site. So you find something online you think is useful or interesting or fun, you can submit it, and then other listeners vote. The most voted up make it to the front page at the top of the site. Go and get interactive and find out what our listeners think is interesting over at freetalklive.com. Tonight joining you, it's Ian, JJ, and Mark. We're going to go into your phone calls and then talk about drug dogs uh, because we've been in a very detailed article by Radley Balco tonight uh, focusing on police tactics and how they manage to manipulate people and intimidate them into allowing them to search their cars and that leads to finding cash, which leads to confiscating the cash and uh, taking cars and houses and... uh, asset forfeitures all over the place but also the uh, the case that we were talking about originally that brought all this up involved a couple guys coming back from a star trek convention they uh handed over their identification to the cops and were told that they were uh, i guess weaving too much and given a warning but then the cop sticks uh, manages to get them to stick around supposedly voluntarily to answer a few more questions which leads to an hour-long search of the car and uh, more questioning about uh, you know whether they have any drugs or guns and the cops obviously on a fishing expedition so we're talking about some of the the tactics that are involved here including false alerting a police dog uh, which we can focus on a little bit more here in a moment but vince is on the line listening in indy to wxnt vince you're on free talk live with the njj and mark Hello, Ian and JJ and Mark. Vince, what's on your Listen, mind? Um, I just, uh, I heard this earlier today, but uh, New Jersey, I guess, passed a regulation or had passed a regulation here several months ago, but requires that, the, you know, the gift cards that people sell. Yeah. Well, you know, if they're over two years old and have any remaining value, state of New Jersey requires these gift card companies to give back that, uh, that remaining value because they do this through computer tapes or computer digital. How do they give it back? I mean, do they have people's addresses? No, they want them to give it back to the state of New Jersey. Oh, Oh, well, the state didn't have it in the first place. They wouldn't be giving it back to the state of New Jersey. They would just be giving it to the state of New Jersey. Giving it to the state of New Jersey. Right. And any remaining value, then that way you have to cancel out the cars and all that. Oh, man, that's a huge windfall for the state. Huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and these companies are pulling out, like, you know, American Express and, you know, the Visa and the MasterCard 
and all the type of different uh, gift card companies. But, you know, because you talk about huge, massive takings by the police departments, you know, and all that, because we were discussing this in our law school class. Mm-hmm. Today. But, uh, you know, the Postal Service is also engaged in that, too, so... They're part of the war on drugs. Oh, sure, so. sure. But I think it's interesting that you said this is new, this development of the, with New Jersey, because I feel like I've heard about that happening before. Well, they just announced, I heard it on the radio here when I came back this afternoon. And then again, they played it on the station here and So basically it's a tax on uh, all the people who don't use their gift cards, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why companies uh, do gift cards is because they know gift certificates and gift cards, there's a a decent amount of people that just don't use them. You know, maybe they don't use them because they don't really want anything at that store. They just don't get there in time. They forget about it or whatever. And the gift card companies that have been, uh, you know, that that have been offering these, because usually the company that is offering the gift card is te- teaming up with the gift card company and the, you know the company that manufactures the card for them and handles the processing of them uh, you know the, it's probably not always done in house and so this this company is is probably getting a piece of the action as well and so now the state's basically coming in to this this completely consensual transaction between multiple parties and saying uh, yeah so if there's any money left on that after how many days was it Vince Two years. Two years. So two years later on, we'll just take all of it. Yeah, yeah which, of course, the banking companies don't like because they want to be able to keep it for the people that forget. Right. And by the way, what happens if, uh, like, as a, a gift card company, if I have on my card, if you don't use this gift card within 180 days, then it's, it's null and void. Are there laws in New Jersey that now prevent that from happening to where the cards have to not ever expire and then after two years they get to take it? Because otherwise, one way around that would be for the companies to just make them so they expired before two years and then the company would get the money. So I'd imagine they've well, already thought of that. Well, I wanted to say that the companies have been pulling out because there's two or three companies that have pulled out. When you say they're pulling out, you mean they're not doing gift cards anymore? Not doing the gift cards, not even offering for distribution in New Jersey. I believe it. Vince, thanks for the call and the heads up, man. I appreciate it. 855-450-FREE. That's, oh, man. And this is how freedom, you know, con- uh, freedom of commerce dies. Yeah. Little bit by little bit. Mm. That's, te- that's terrible. Just now, terrible. I, I don't like gift cards for a lot of reasons. Uh, you don't know how much money's on the darn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can, you know. But the gift certificate's okay or? I, I I don't I, I don't like these things for some reasons. I do okay. like them for other reasons. I'm not saying that I you should never buy one or anything like that, but I don't like the, the you've given them your money and that you know they get to do whatever they want. It's essentially a no interest loan to these uh, these companies. But there's sometimes when it makes more sense to do it. I sometimes give gift cards for people that uh, you know do things for Free Talk Live um, as a gift or whatever, rather than having a if they didn't if we never agreed to pay them or something like that. This is just a little spiff for a bonus it uh it's not quite as dirty as giving somebody money um, if they didn't ask for it and we didn't make some kind of agreement then you know a gift is is much more in line and you know, some places that you can give gift cards or it's practically like giving cash anyway because they have so many different things that people use on a daily a daily basis yeah this is a great example of just how desperate some of these uh state governments are for cash i mean they're scra- they're scrounging the remains of the gift cards now that's just sad no <laughs> They, they really, they, they, the heyday of when the housing boom was going on. These, these organizations that are financed by property taxes, in part, 
yeah, they're they're really hurting. I mean, how far are we away before they come and uh, come around to the Salvation Army guys and start shaking change out of their <laughs> their little yeah. pots? Yeah, we just want to taste. Have you? <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen them do these? I, I, whenever I go down to Sarasota, Florida, it seems like you always see some kind of expose by the local. Uh, uh, television company by oh these poor city bureaucrats are going to lose their job they're downsizing i mean the economy's really been hit because of the the, the housing bubble situation the city's uh, downsizing is what you're saying the city the, they have to they, they just don't have the money hmm. and the bureau in the, illinois they'll just raise taxes they can't at some point or another they just can't well they that, haven't reached that point yet in there, there's also many states uh, I have a problem with their pension system in that it's it's Illinois, grossly yeah. underfunded. So they, they have example. liabilities they can't meet. Yeah, Illinois has got like $4 billion worth of those liabilities, I think. Yeah. Maybe more than that. Let's uh, go to Frank. He is in Virginia. Or actually, we'll go to Frank here shortly. 855-450-FREE. That is the, uh, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Allows you to take control of the airwaves. Still coming up, uh, we'll get back into police searches uh, here in a moment where the drug dogs and the tactics they use to get them to uh, search around your car is pretty, uh, pretty outrageous. And I don't know if we're going to get to this other stuff, by the way, tonight. Uh, actually, Mark, you had a tip. That you had a Just drug money story. Real, real quick. Um, there's a, a waitress that was in. Let me see where it says in Minnesota. Stacy Nutson uh, got a tip of twelve thousand dollars. A woman left it in a uh, a bag from a restaurant. She was in a restaurant, but it was a different restaurant. She goes out and uh, asks the woman if to keep it. She says, "No, no, I'm good. You keep it." Now this lady really needs the money. She's uh, but she goes and talks, tells the cops like a dutiful citizen. What? She called the wow. police, who seized the money. Reportedly oh told God. her that she could get it back in sixty days if no one claimed it. When the time passed the police said she couldn't get the money because it was part of a drug investigation yeah Yeah, it didn't pass the sniff test because it had the strong odor of marijuana on it it was the claim (laughs) of course now nutson files a lawsuit in clay county district court claiming the cast was rightfully hers uh her attorney craig ritchie uh, you know gets on the job and then suddenly the police today actually finally say because they were just going to give her a thousand dollars as a finder's fee for the money and just keep the other eleven thousand for themselves, mm-hmm. but then they do get it back. Now it doesn't say how much Richie charged her for the uh, services that he has provided, but if Stacy is a religious woman, she's saying it's the will of God. So, wait, what was go. the will of God that she gets the money or something? Whatever, whatever happened. That what was the good. hell did she call the police for in the first place? Because it was a, a, a the tip was large. You call the police? I know. Isn't that stupid? Yeah. Well, who in their right mind would call the police about they this? They don't know Idiot. that this is going to happen. Eight five. Well, why would you call the police in the first place? <laughs> it's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. Talk live. Toll-free number here for you, 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. That's where you can go to enjoy a variety of different features. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo or video showing they uh, they are listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com to access that. And if you're a lady listener, you'll get details there on how to become part of the Shrine. Again, that's shrine.freetalklive.com. Coming up in about 
two months and a couple weeks, it's going to be the Porcupine Freedom Festival. The 2012 edition likely will be bigger and better than it has ever been. Uh, JJ is setting up the musical acts for the That's event. Right. And uh, there's more than music. It is a huge fest that uh, operates throughout an entire week, seven full days. Of, and they uh, are full, too. There is a lot going on. And so if you want to show up to a pork fest early, you will not be disappointed. There is plenty to do and see. It really, it used to be, and this has been going on for several years, Pork Fest now, the Porcupine Freedom Festival up here in New Hampshire. It's a great opportunity to get together with other people who love liberty all in the same week for uh, for whatever variety of things are going on, uh, camping, etc. It's all out in the woods. Uh, but in you know a few years ago, it used to be pretty slow in the beginning of the week. There wasn't a whole lot that happened. Just really hardcore people showed up on the Monday and kind of got a little more popular as the week rolled on and really kind of pinnacled uh, or apexed at the uh, the end of the week. Uh, but now it's become a full on week long. Well, event. I think that has to do with uh, Jason Osborne of Cycle CAI, of course, and Sharon, his wife. They've been working really hard and. They've gotten a lot of work done and a lot of speakers lined up. And but even this, last year, it was busy all week long. It was, it was definitely busy, yeah. but not like this schedule. This, this schedule, actually, there's a lot of people and a lot of panels and a lot of information that's going to mm. be handed out and given So out. more than just partying all week. Then, it's much more than partying. It's more of a sales pitch this year, I think. Interesting. So if you have been thinking about the idea of moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, of joining up with other like-minded, liberty-oriented people, people that understand what it means to be free, and that is the, in order to live a free life, you have to allow others to be free. And uh, in, in order to be free, we have to allow others to live their lives how they want, so long as they don't harm anyone else. So if you like those ideas, go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com, and you can learn more about the event there. There's uh, great photos and stuff from events past, um, and also so details on uh, how to get involved in uh, registering. It's it's very affordable. It's camping. I mean, you, you could spend a whole lot more money on like going to a hotel convention or something like that. Uh, this is a, a relatively affordable way to engage in socializing and networking with other like-minded folks and seeing what it's like to be around hundreds of other liberty-oriented people because these could be your neighbors and your friends in the future if you make the move to New Hampshire. Yeah, part beautiful, of the spontaneous order that happens at Porkfest. It's good stuff. So, porkfest.com, we go to the phones, and the fun here, we go to Helen, ladies first, calling from Ithaca, listening to WNYY. Hello, Helen. Hi. Good evening. Um, Hi. Um, I was wondering if you heard about this thing. It's been on the news, like, um, all day long. It's uh, a juvenile. You know, I feel stupid now because I don't remember. I think it was in California. A juvenile was raped, and she did not want to testify uh, against the the rapist, you know. So they actually, they incarcerated her because they thought she was a risk to flee, you know. Really? And, which is kind of a very, a very kind of sad situation there because, oh, man. you know, the, yeah, so that's what they're doing to her. And it, it was on the news like just about every hour for the past few hours. And I'm, I'm like... You know, I mean, like that she's the victim of the crime. She's God. not a criminal, and she's incarcerated right. because because the state has to get their prosecution. They have to do it the way they want to do it, and they have to have her testimony. So she is being forced right. yeah. to be a witness. This person hey, has already you. been. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They're trying to protect the children here, and she's <laughs> safest in that cage. Listen to me. This, no, this, it's, it's not like any children have ever been raped in a government uh, caging facility. Or oh no, like that. geez. 
Right. And, you know, this is this person has gone through something traumatic and doesn't want to go through yeah. something else traumatic. So what do they do? They do something traumatic to her. Even more traumatic. Incarcerator. Yeah. That's sick. Well, hopefully they're treating her kindly. I mean, there's no I, such like, thing as kind jails. Only hopeful thing. Yeah, yeah it's no, pretty hopeful. nothing fun about being incarcerated. Yeah. And, uh, How old is she? Adding, 17. Uh, 17, Se- 17. I believe, yeah. yep. In Sacramento, um, it says... Uh, oh, you know, okay. Lock- I, I just looked it up. <laughs> was locked up for more than a week now for wow. her failure to appear in court oh, against a swastika-adorned defendant with a 20-year criminal history who's accused of three counts of raping and sexually assaulting her. Now, can she be forced That's- to testify? Uh, the, the answer uh, is yes. No. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> No, and actually, we we can't know her identity. She's a juvenile, right. but the fact that she's being incarcerated, uh, I, I don't know what her family situation is. You know, I, I would think that they could have worked this out with her family, but maybe her family situation isn't like. I guess she can. They have worked it out with the family. They're offering a fifty thousand dollar bond if the family wants to get her back. Is all they have to do is pay fifty thousand dollars. Oh my god. Wow. Uh, Helen, thanks for bringing that to our attention and uh, and appreciate your call tonight at 855-450-FREE. That's stunning. And I guess they can force testimony. That's what subpoenas are for, right? So you subpoena someone. They can someone. force you to come. Yeah, right? but if you don't answer questions in court, they'll charge you with contempt of court. You could very well if it's uh, if you don't say something like if you don't take the fifth amendment, fifth fifth and say that uh, that's only about self incrimination, right? Well, they have they would have to prove that you're not incriminating yourself, which makes that very difficult. They would have to prove that you're not incriminating yourself. That's correct. So whatever. But if you're question, testifying about what someone else did, that has nothing to do with the self-incrimination. Yeah, but you know, there's there's more of there's more to this every story than necessarily comes out in every instance. So you could refuse to testify on a particular question due to the Fifth Amendment. They're going to try to yeah. I, their people have been locked up for taking the Fifth. They'll lock you up. That's they, what they, I'm saying. Yes, Attempt. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that. You know, it's look, sweetie. It's we're trying to have a ti- we're, we're trying to have a trial here. We're going to just put you in jail until you're ready to yeah, testify. Listen, sweetie, this, yeah, this guy's a menace to society. So the only way that we think we can help you is by taking away all of your freedoms and and so further traumatizing crazy. you. Yeah, so insane. don't worry, you'll understand when you get older. Yeah, if you after. Yeah, Ten years get through of therapy. That therapy yeah. Well, in other rape news here, I have a headline for you, and we'll get right back to your calls. Uh, here's kind of a different story. Young lady who's now 23, when she was 11, she told a judge that her father raped her. Dad went to prison for nine years. Now, she admits she lied. Sandra Ann Kennedy says she made up the story because she was upset with her father following her parents' divorce. Mm. Last week, authorities in Washington state finally released her father, who is serving a 15-year prison term. All charges have been dropped thanks to the daughter's statement made in January. Uh, Dad says that he's just trying to get on with his life now. She told What do you do in this circumstance? I mean, this is just – this is one of those really – tough circumstances to which there really isn't much of a solution. And I don't care whether you're talking about a world where there isn't a coercive monopoly or where there is one. I think you should have evidence uh, to convict somebody of what a crime. What kind of evidence would you, I mean, you know, you can't. So they have rape kits. They do if you if you report it within, you know, X I number know, of Mark, hours. I know, Mark, and I'm sorry, but I don't think innocent people should be put in jail on the, t- on the say-so of someone else. It's tough. This is crazy. Oh, kids, are you angry at your parents? Just go ahead and say they've got drugs on them or say that they, you know, they raped you or whatever. Go ahead and get them involved in the criminal justice system. Be sure to contact your school resource officer today. Did your mom make you take out the trash this week? You don't like that? Well, go ahead and just come up with something and have the, the, the law come after her. This is a crazy idea. 855-453. This man was in prison for nine years for a crime he didn't commit.
There was no evidence. It was just her testimony. And by That's the way, evidence. the county says uh, that uh, they won't take legal action against the young lady, partly because authorities don't want to discourage other individuals who have actually suffered from sexual harassment from stepping forward. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And all the features on the site are there for you, courtesy of, uh, well... Our advertisers and the great listeners that help support the show via the Free Talk Live AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. And uh, some of the, one of the other ways you can support the, this program is by buying gold and silver. One of our callers mentioned it earlier tonight. You can go to gold.freetalklive.com and get uh, some pretty great deals. Yeah, over there you can check out all the gold and silver pieces and coins that we have available to you. You can comparison shop before you buy gold and silver. And when you buy gold and silver at gold.freetalklive.com, you help Free Talk Live. It's gold.freetalklive.com. We're going to continue with your phone calls. And then we'll talk more about canines, drug dogs. Uh, here in a moment. Max is on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Max. Hey, this is Max from Seabrook. Hey, Max, what's on your mind tonight? I just wanted to talk about, uh, you guys were talking about uh, asset forfeiture in the drug war. I just wanted to remind viewers or listeners that uh, uh, Spain, Italy, and Luxembourg decriminalized most drugs some years ago. Holland decriminalized all drugs in the 90s, and Portugal decriminalized all drugs in 2000. And all of them saw their crime rates go down as soon as they did that. It's true. Uh, Not only did crime rates go down, but uh, drug addicts also have uh, significantly been reduced. All five countries saw drug addiction rates go down, at least somewhat, at least by some measurable amount. But when they keep making this case that drugs are out of control and it's the drug problem, it's really the drug war. It's drug prohibition that does the damage. It's it's the illegal traffic. It's not so much the... uh, you know, people smoking pot or even people using heroin. The problem is coming from the illegal drug traffic, and that's completely artificial, and it's uh, I had a friend uh, estimate um, or calculate that the, the total quantity of private property that was being seized through asset forfeiture was something like $400 billion a year, and that was a conservative estimate. She sent in a letter to the editor, and they wouldn't publish it because she couldn't back up the information. But that's larger than the whole drug traffic. That's larger than the total, at that time, the total quantity of illegal drugs coming into the country. Wow. So, I mean, it's the... Drug asset forfeiture is a bigger problem probably than the, than the drug traffic is, and it's corrupting police departments and corrupting uh, Border Patrol and uh, Coast Guard and almost everything else. No doubt about it, yeah, Max. It sounds like that they're incentivized to uh, get people to forfeit their assets, whether it's through uh, drugs or, you know, uh, making up shenanigans. You know, I mean, just, just... And most of the time they don't even file charges against the people because nope. if they did, They'd have to take it to court, and if the person were acquitted, then they would have to give the assets back. They'd have to give the home back or the plane or the cash back. 
So they just seize the assets. They seize the cash, weapons, planes, boats, uh, houses, real estate. Um, and they don't even bother to file charges against people. So you, well, right. In many cases, they'll seize the assets with the, the alleged consent of the victim in that they'll intimidate the victims into signing away their assets on the threat of, well, if you don't do this, then we'll file charges. But if you do sign this away, sign over your car to us, sign the car title over, then uh, we'll go ahead and not charge you and we'll just keep and your car. And it's third world style corruption. I see this. I, I worked as a merchant mariner for 10 years. I see this kind of thing in third world countries all the time. Where the the authorities and the, the the politicals just continuously steal everything they can from the public, and the, the reason that so many people are poor around the world is that the governments they live under steal everything. Some of those people are so poor that they're, you know, living on fifty cents an hour, a dollar an hour. Not only so, do the government steal a lot in in these third world countries, but also they prevent people from creating wealth. So, like, you can't just go and open up a business. Uh, because the government won't let you, or they need the, a huge chunk or major payoffs before they'll even allow something like that to happen. So those folks aren't even able to build wealth in the first place. Right, and that keeps the uh, the population desperate for money and willing to do almost anything for a little tiny bit of money. So, so some of them will join up and work for the government in order to put food on the table for their families, but as a price, they're oppressing their, their neighbors. Sure. And, well, and- where, you know, you look at some of those countries, and the bureaucrats have, you know, servants, and they have they have multiple house servants, you know, and these are just public employees. Right. They literally do nothing but sit at a desk, and they, they can afford servants because they keep their people so poor. It's true. And, you know, if you think about it, what we're talking about, it all happens here. It's just on a different scale, uh, and it's acceptable here. They have different names for it. They're not warlords here. It's the police department. Right, right. It's, it's politicians. Yeah, it's, well, the, 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 the police department wants to protect the cartel, the drug runners and the drug trade. They want to keep that going because that keeps their aspect of their job available as far as right. working those overtime shifts and working undercover and getting that special pay. I don't know if they want to, but they're incentivized to. That's, they sure exactly. do keep coming. They sure do keep coming to the hearings uh, and, and speaking out against th- something like medical marijuana or any level of uh, drug decriminalization because they know it's it's good money for them. Well, I was in uh, Concord a couple of days ago and sitting in on the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee, and sure enough, they're the prosecutors and police chiefs association, the law enforcement lobby there again, uh, lobbying to make you know little small you know apparently small changes to the law that make it just a little bit easier to put a few more people behind bars. That's right, and they're getting paid to be there and to do that lobbying while everybody else that comes there to try to you know, end this insane war on drugs is taking a day off from work. And uh, if they're a medical patient, they're you know, getting out of bed and they're getting in their wheelchair and they're coming up there to testify. Don't forget the gas and the drive. Yeah, these cops – right, it's not cheap to, uh, to take an hour drive. At least here in New so Hampshire, it's only to, an hour to the you're, – You're having to pay to drive up there and you're having to pay them to drive up there also. The same people who are at right, the Pro- right. Rockingham County Attorney's Office prosecuting me were up there and – in Concord, lobbying for even more laws. Yeah, I heard that uh, through the grapevine, Max, that uh, you've been found guilty of, of, I guess, discharging a firearm. Um, I beat seven of the eight counts, oh. but there's still the one felony count. And one felony count does just as much to take away your gun rights as anything else. Oh, that's man. true. Um, I've so got you, sentencing on. Were you found guilty of it, or that's, that's all that's left? Basically, what happened, well, they're sentencing on June 4th. What happened is, uh, and we'll appeal after that. Um, there was a, a really out-of-control fight at my house on December 19, 2010. Uh, someone came at me with a steak knife and a beer bottle, and it really got out of control, and there was blood all over the place. So I fired a shot into my backyard, and it turned out some of the people who were there 
were like gang leaders and um, criminals with, you know, multiple violent crime com- uh, convictions. And uh, the police let them all go. All the people who were involved in the fight, the woman who came at me with the knife, they let her go, even though people told told the police about her. Mm. Um, and all the people involved in the fight were were let off scot-free, and they filed charges against me and two other people who were trying to stop the fight. And you said there were eight charges? There were originally eight charges. They were they're basically catch-all charges. In other words, they didn't know what had actually happened because their witnesses were so sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony is felony reckless conduct is firing a weapon at someone else or firing, or pointing the weapon at somebody else um, by statute, by case law. All of the witnesses said, no, he didn't fire the weapon at anyone. All the witnesses said, no, he didn't point the weapon at anyone or endanger anyone, and he wasn't reckless and didn't put anyone in danger. And yet the jury... The way the prosecutor sold it, she kept twisting everything around and twisting the facts around and saying, oh, it was dark outside, he wouldn't have been able to see, somebody might have been out there hiking and walked in front of his gun or something like that. And they, um, she just kept twisting things around at the end of the trial and managed to um, convince the jury uh, to convict on one of the counts. Jeez. And the irony is you go back and look at the trial and listen to the evidence, and there is there actually... They don't have the chain of facts. They don't have the chain of evidence to um, actually convict. I hate juries. I just hate them. <laughs> They're terrible. I mean, it, they, you're, you're taking amateurs. You're putting them into this sort of, uh, you know, it, this this really should be sort of the experiment with the, the, the Stanley Milgram should have done uh, in sort of human behavior and, you know, how they agree with groups and that kind of thing. Because juries have no business judging uh, you know people's cases. Frankly, I don't think that uh, people that are you know like judges that work for the same organization that are prosecuting you essentially um, have any business doing it either. But I just think that the jury system—it's a thousand years old. It's terribly old technology. So they charged well, government's old technology too. Uh, so they charged you with this. And if you don't mind, Max, I'd like to bring you back here and talk a little bit further about this issue. So hang sure. on. 855-450-FREE. So he's charged with a felony of reckless endangerment. And that has to do with endangering someone else, but they couldn't identify anyone who was in danger. Right. It was just some, oh, someone might have been in the back of the woods, which maybe he fired into the ground. We don't know that. We're coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Even in the remaining moments, we probably have enough time for you and your thoughts. You can make the call now to 1 855 453. It's 855 450 3733. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. JJ. And Mark. JJ is here courtesy of uh, his various efforts out there, uh, not only in the activism front, you're the producer and now anchor. Well, uh, occasionally. Or at least temporarily. <laughs> 
for uh, Free Keen TV. It was your first time in front of the camera this week on this week's episode, and I thought you did a great job. Folks can see that over at freekeen.com. Yep. But uh, your involvement in television production has resulted in you starting your own uh, media production company, Starfall Media. That's correct. And uh, folks can go and look for Starfall Media on YouTube, see some demo roles. Uh, That's right. And, you know, decide whether or not your services might be valuable to them. Excellent. Always looking for more people to uh, sell my services to. Yeah, so you can do uh, editing and uh, post-production sorts of things. Exactly. Will you also go out and do shoots and things like that, too? If you're within the, I guess, a reasonable radius, or if somebody wants to pay you to fly halfway across the country, I presume you do that. Hey, if they're willing to pay for it. So Starfall Media, look for it on YouTube, and uh, there's also something else you're doing that uh, I think is pretty exciting, and that's the After Ron Paul campaign. It's kind of in the genesis stage at the moment. Uh, There's ideas being thrown around, and I don't know how much more we need to say about it, but there's going to be something coming coming at some point. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there. All right, good, because I'm excited about that uh, that campaign, because you look at these pictures of uh, Ron Paul all over the place with... What was it? In uh, I guess he was in California just the other night, and the, did, I don't know if y'all saw these panoramic photos online, but they have just I think it was ten thousand people. Was oh, it's huge? Ten thousand people filling like a football stadium yeah. to to listen USC to Ron Chico. Paul. Yeah. Now, if we could just get a fraction of those people to move to New Hampshire, we'd we'd USC have our uh, you know we'd be good to go sure. as far as the Free State Project is concerned. So let's reach out to these folks and. Give him some ideas, because Ron Paul is not going to last forever, unfortunately, as great as he is. Let's continue with Max, listening in New Hampshire over on the uh, the coastline, uh, telling us about a situation where a party was way out of control at your house, uh, Max, and apparently it was one, from what I've read, that you didn't even want to happen there. You had some roommates who threw it without uh, without your consent, and uh, there was a fight that had broken out. You attempted to uh, break the fight up by, at one point in frustration, I imagine, uh, because people weren't breaking up, firing a weapon out the back door of your house. Is that correct? Um, except for the last bit. Um, I, no question I was frustrated at that point that uh, people were refusing to leave. But uh, the main um, main problem was once the uh, the woman came downstairs with a steak knife and a beer bottle, uh, that kind of... Uh, it wasn't just the fact that she had a steak knife, but what she said and kind of her demeanor. She said, I'm going to kill whoever uh, messes with my uh, boyfriend. Hmm. Um, and she had like a really psychotic look in her face. And the fight behind me was out of control. So I've got two different crises to deal with. And at that point, I realized it's, you know, this is a, one of those life and death situations you read about. And it's it's something that just comes on without any warning. There's, uh, you know, people are drunk, they're out of control. Um, there's a lot of blood on the ground, a lot of broken beer bottles, a lot of potential weapons. So I yanked the knife out of her hand, and I yanked the beer bottle out of her hand. She runs back upstairs to go grab another weapon. Um, so it was it was just like she comes down later on. This is a few minutes later. She comes back down later on with a hatchet, chasing after my housemate. Good Lord. Uh, so she's chasing after him, threatening to kill him for calling the police. And it was just like, I mean, this is just kind of like a mind-blowing situation. So... I fired around into the backyard, which did break up the fight for like a minute. Yeah, I wanted to ask and that. Then, What's it like in a house where you know people are brawling and suddenly a a, a gun goes off? Bam! I mean, if you've been into a closed space when a firearm goes off, you're supposed to wear protective hearing and be outside. You're in an enclosed space and this thing goes off. I mean, it's just got to be stunning. Well, and a Glock, uh, a forty caliber Glock, produces uh, 156 decibels of sound. It's noisy. It's as loud as a 12 gauge shotgun. Wow. Now, where were you gun. standing when you fired the the gun? Was it at the at the back door? 
I was literally, literally right at the threshold, mm-hmm. just inside my house, and the weapon was right at the threshold. Did you shoot so at the I, ground? I fired right at the ground, two-handed. So I uh, presume I you testified that you fired at the ground, but this prosecutor managed to somehow convince the jury that you were endangering some theoretical person who theoretically could have been walking somewhere out in the backyard? Right, right. She said that it was dark out, even though it was a full moon. I did a judicial notice of the fact that it was a full moon out, 97% full moon. Hmm. Um, actually, the, the, the pinnacle of the full moon was like 24 hours later. Um, all the outside lights were on. All the inside lights were on. It was There was plenty of illumination. I fired a, at a, a patch of soft dirt, you know, right next to a tree. And I can, I'm actually standing right in the same spot where I was. And... Uh, there was absolutely no possibility of, you know, it's a hollow point round, and she argued that, well, it could have ricocheted off the pine wood. and Ricocheted off a pine? <laughs> yeah, right. I had oh my pine God. in my basement. Or maybe the glass. They had one woman. All of the witnesses said, I, I, I asked them one after another in cross-examination. I said, did I endanger anyone? They all said no. Was I reckless? They all said no. Did I point the weapon at anyone? They all said no. Did I fire the weapon at anyone? They all said no. Was anyone in the backyard? They all said no. And the jury convicts you of one of the A charges, and the charge was reckless, what was it, reckless endangerment? They were all felony reckless conduct with a firearm, but the other seven the other seven charges all named someone. This one was the another indictment. I see. Effective indictment. So they, they're not specifying that anyone is there. So basically what they got me on was unauthorized use of firearms. And yet... Here's this out-of-control brawl going on. Everybody admitted to it. Everyone admitted to pretty much the same story. And despite overwhelming proof, you know, that I had I'd just taken matters into my own hands and rather than let people get killed or, you know, really severely hurt, um, I fired around into the into the backyard to, to you know, prevent anybody from getting stabbed or wow. worse. And, and they decided so, to charge you, and you've been now convicted of a felony. Sentencing re- is still remains. You do plan on appealing, uh, yep. but I mean, you're you're looking at three years in prison at least, right? Six, up to six years in prison. Minimum three, up to six. Uh, the minimum was done away with last year. Oh, really? And um, there is another benefit to the case. There's something else that came out of this case is that if the general court SB88, the word bird law, the stand your ground yeah. law. That gets applied retroactively. So anyone who has a similar case, it's a self-defense case, um, they can now take any legislation that's been passed, and it can be applied retroactively to all pending cases, just citing State versus Albert Abramson. So wait, this this law has been passed, or it might be passed? So, okay, SB 88 was passed six weeks before the fight happened, mm-hmm. but it took effect two weeks after the fight happened. So based on my case, the judge applied based on an 1826 precedent, whenever the general court decriminalizes something, like if they decriminalize medical use of marijuana, it will apply retroactively to all previous cases. So if there are any pending cases where they're prosecuting someone for medical marijuana... So how would you get this thrown out? I mean, in that case, why hasn't this been ejected thus far? Do you have to make some sort of motion? What what do you do to make that happen? Uh, For my case, I have to... uh, For my case, I have to appeal it within 30 days of sentencing, which means I have to basically go through the entire trial and go through every objection and every motion all over again and, and file an appeal based on errors that were made in my case. If, But the upside is if this happens again to someone else, then they can rely on State versus Albert Abramson to... Retroactively uh, apply right, new retroactively laws to their case. Apply 
improve improve justification, basically RSA 627. But the felony reckless conduct statute basically is just being used to go after gun owners. It was used at, to go after Ward Bird, the grandfather up in Farmington who fired a round into the ground. And, and this, by the way, in one of the more gun-friendly uh, places to live, right. that is New Hampshire. It's absolutely outrageous. Prosecutors aren't gun-friendly no. in too many places. No, they're state-friendly. No. state, state friendly. Uh, And that means getting as many convictions as possible to pad their record. Max, uh, will you do us a favor and keep us in the loop on this? I think it's an outrageous case and uh, would uh, would appreciate hearing as uh, more as it develops. Um, if folks want to hear more, there's the Seacoast Annual Freedom Expo and the Exeter Town Hall on uh, April 28th, and that's going to be all day, and it's free to come in, and we're going to have a – that's going to be one of the uh, workshops there. Well, of course, we've got an international listenership, so it's, it's unlikely that uh, most of our listeners will be able to attend that. So will you call us back at some point and, and let us know what develops with your case? Absolutely. All right, Max. Thanks uh, Thanks for the call tonight. Good luck uh, with the uh, with the sentencing, number one, yeah. and the, uh, the appeal, number two, because I imagine whatever the sentence is, I expect you're going to appeal it, correct? Of course. Very good, sir. Uh, keep us in the loop, and uh, – Sorry to hear about that. Thanks for the call. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, terrible when something like that happens in someone's home. <laughs> God. Just trying to keep order. I mean, you know, it's, it's a disorderly situation, but a party got it out of control. Why is he responsible for it? You know, he tries to... Well, he's uh, not responsible for the party. Apparently, they're just holding him responsible for firing a weapon into the ground. And endangering somebody who might have been walking by. Um, and a, He could know, have shot a possum. Saving the hypothetical <laughs> children. Night. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's been Ian here with you. JJ. And Mark. We'll hold off the police dog discussion until tomorrow night because I still think it's important to have. Uh, And, of course, you can also bring up whatever's on your mind at that time. In the meantime, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. And don't forget to visit JJ over at his YouTube channel, Starfall Media. Search for that and you'll find him there. All right. See you tomorrow online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Available now, four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at cdbaby.com.